the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we close out the week, we are back in Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 through 29. A look at the law and the gospel. Today on Abounding Grace, join us. Most in Christendom have an either-or proposition when it comes to the law or the gospel. It's one or the other, it's never both, and never shall we mix the two. Yet, the Apostle Paul has some clarity on all of this here in Galatians chapter 3. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. We're spending time in Galatians looking at the law and the gospel today. Won't you join us? As we get clarification on what God is doing with the whole of his scriptures, here's Pastor Gary with today's program. For us to understand chapter 3, verses 15 through 29, and to understand the gospel, and to understand the nature of salvation, and to understand why self-justification is absolutely absurd, We must understand the covenant of grace that God establishes with men. Covenant is one of those ideas and words that occurs throughout Scripture. It is the theme of every book in the Bible, and it is the structure in which everything in the Bible takes place. Everything that happens to anyone in Genesis to Revelation happens to them because of some promise some law, some act of obedience, or some act of disobedience to something in God's covenant. Last week we saw that whenever you think of the word covenant in the Bible, think of a bond. It is an intimate and eternal bond of friendship between the creator of the universe and those people he has chosen to be his In the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a bond in which God is a sovereign friend to those who believe in Christ. And they are his servant friends. In this bond, God gives us two blessings. He gives us a lifelong communion with himself. That is, every day of our lives, we do live in intimate fellowship with him. And we know we are in that fellowship. We know God. And we know we know God. And with this daily fellowship we have with God, he gives us a sovereignly dictated order of life from his word by which we are to live. In other words, in this covenant bond, he gives us promises and he gives us law. He gives us promises to feed our faith and to draw us closer to him. And he gives us law so that we know how to live as his covenant people, distinct from the rest of the world. Because this is a covenant God made between himself and sinners, it has to be a covenant of grace. 
And that's why we've been talking about this for several weeks. Because the gospel of Christ is all of grace. It is not something sinners deserve. God is dealing with undeserving, helpless sinners who not only deserve God's condemnation, but who cannot dig their way out of the sewage pile of their own sin. And yet, God condescends to where we are. And in grace and mercy, which is totally undeserved, He brings us into a close relationship with Himself. Which means, this covenant of grace is only known to us by revelation. The covenant of grace is not something some old theologian just thought up at some time. We would have never known how God establishes this relationship with us and our children had God not revealed it to us in reality and in words and sentences that we can understand. Another blessing of this covenant of grace is that it is unalterable, and irrevocable. That is, once God has put this covenant of friendship into place, it cannot and will not ever be revoked or altered. No matter what happens in history, there will be nothing that will have the effect of abrogating or annulling or changing or modifying in any way whatsoever this relationship God has with us in the Lord Jesus Christ. All of the goals of God's covenant will be fulfilled. It is inevitable. All of God's people will be saved. Not one of them will be lost. It is also inevitable that the covenant of grace will triumph over all of its opposition. And someday, all of those popular anti-Christian views that we read about will be dust in museums that not one person will be interested in. Last week, we began looking at the fact that the covenant of grace is real and historical. We looked at the covenants God made with men throughout the Old Testament and how although God only revealed so much of in each of these covenants, the covenant of grace runs through all of them. And not one of them abrogated or annulled the previous covenant all the way up to Christ and the new covenant, which is the consummation and the fulfillment of all the other covenants. Then we looked at one of the two historical observations of the covenant of grace that are the basis of the church's, Christian church's understanding of the relationship of the law and the gospel and the true nature of salvation. And the first observation is that the covenant made with Abraham came about five centuries before the covenant made with Moses. Some of you are probably asking if you weren't here last week, well, so what? What is the significance of those two historical events? Well, remember... Abraham was justified by faith, which is saying that our standing with God is through faith in Christ Jesus and not according to our own works or merit. In other words, no matter what we do, we cannot, 
cannot justify ourselves. But then Moses comes along and God enters into a covenant with him and says, Moses, here are a bunch of laws I want you and my people to follow. Now, is he not saying, I've changed the way we're going to relate to each other? Did God go from justifying his people by faith alone to justifying them by obedience to his laws or self-justification in Moses? No, God revealed a bit more of his covenant to Moses, saying, I'm giving these laws to help you who are still saved by grace through faith. Now, and know how to live faithfully unto me. So you see that one little historical observation that the Abrahamic covenant, which cannot be altered or nullified, came before the Mosaic covenant, shows that we are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by obedience to the law. By giving his people the law, God was showing them how to express their faith in faithfulness as God's special people. Now, the second historical observation is that the Red Sea came before Mount Sinai. Now, you can develop actually a whole system of theology and ethics on that one principle. The Red Sea came before Mount Sinai. I trust you know what happened at each of those locations, those two historical incidents. The Red Sea is where God parted the waters to let Moses lead Israel out of captivity from Egypt. And then, of course, he drowned all the Egyptian armies. Mount Sinai, which took place later, out in the wilderness after the Red Sea, was where God gave Israel the Ten Commandments. Now, what is the significance of saying that the incident, the historical incident of the Red Sea preceded the historical incident at Mount Sinai? Is it to say that the laws that God gave his people on Mount Sinai were given to people that had already been redeemed by God's grace? Yes. They had already been redeemed from Egypt. They had already been saved through the Red Sea. God didn't give the law of Moses to us so that we could con God and make points with him, how to redeem ourselves and justify ourselves. God gave us his, his laws to people whom he had already redeemed by his powerful grace. Now, there's another thing to realize about these two covenant events. Remember, these are the historical unfolding of of, of, of things that uh, of how God dealt with his people. God builds through his covenants on what he told previous generations so that they wouldn't be blinded by the light of too much information at one time. God tells something to Adam, just enough, whatever he can handle. But then as time goes on, God cuts a covenant with Noah and tells him more based on what he already told Adam. So he expands that information. Centuries later, he cuts a covenant with Abraham, and he doesn't do away with what came before 
Abraham. He builds on that. He tells Abraham more, then he tells Moses more, then he tells David more, until the entire thing is fulfilled and consummated and perfected in the Lord Jesus Christ in the new covenant. And each of these covenants are simply historical manifestations of God's grace. One of the phrases for God's covenant of grace in the Bible is the phrase, the covenant of promise. There are a variety of historical covenants, but they all have one unifying promise. And that is the bond of friendship that God establishes with his people through the Lord Jesus Christ. So on the one hand, the Bible emphasizes in the phrase covenant of promise, the historical development of the covenant of grace. But then this covenant is also called in the Bible the everlasting covenant to tell us that all these historical covenants are simply expressions and developments of this one great covenant and bond that God has established with himself and his people in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the author of them all. He is the one who authored the covenant with Abraham. He is the one who authored the covenant with Moses. And all of the covenants have the same purpose. And that is to distinguish a people for God out of all the various nations of the world. Now, the specific concern of our text, and we needed to know all of this that I've just explained, as well as what we talked about last week, which is the function of the law of God in the covenant of grace. To most Christians today, to say grace and law in the same sentence seems impossible because law makes demands on you. Law is to be obeyed. If you don't obey, there are consequences, the law says. Now, how can you speak of the law as something that demands and has consequences for disobedience and at the same time talk about a relationship with God that's all of grace, undeserved, unmerited, nothing you can do at all with, no law you have to obey in order to obtain and merit and deserve God's forgiveness of your sins. How can you say law and grace in the same breath. How can there be something to demand something of you in relationship with God, which says your standing with God is by faith in Christ alone and not by the works of the law? Well, that there is law in God's covenant is really obvious, beloved. As I said last week, in the covenant of grace, God gives us two blessings. The communion of life or a daily fellowship with God and a sovereignly dictated order of life by which those of us who believe that premise are to express our faith in him. So there is a law in the covenant of God throughout scripture. There are many times when God says, I will do this. And there are other times you shall do this. So there are I wills. And there are you shalls through all, throughout all of Scripture. Properly understood, there is absolutely no conflict, though, at all 
between law and grace. There is no conflict between saying that we are standing with God on the basis of what Christ has done and not on the basis of anything that we've done. There's no conflict between saying that and saying that in this new relationship, God has given us laws by which we are to express the reality of our faith. We obey him not in order to become his friends, but because we are his friends by grace through faith. And of course, we want to be his friends. It is only when you look at the law and grace as two different ways of being saved that they are then in conflict. When you say the purpose of God's law is to make points with God, Well, obviously, there can be no place for law and a covenant of grace where you can't merit anything with God. It is all of him. So it all depends on whether you define these words biblically or whether you read into them some presupposition you make with reference to them both. God's covenant of grace means we stand with God, not on the basis of anything we merit, but solely on the Lord Jesus Christ through faith. And in that relationship, our divine friend, Almighty God, who is also our sovereign, has given us law by which we are to express our faith and live as faithful children. Understand that the law of God plays absolutely no part in the receiving of salvation, beloved. If you ask the Lord, what must I do to be saved? God is not going to say you've got to merit it by obeying the law. He will say exactly what Paul said to the Philippian jailer when he asked, what shall I do to be saved from sin and guilt and condemnation and hell? Paul said, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shall be saved. Period. In order to receive salvation, there are no laws to be obeyed. There's nothing to be earned. Salvation is received by faith in Christ alone. When Christ is received as Savior, He continues to be our Lord, and He gives us the law to show us how to live. But His law also has another function in our lives. It's not only given to show us how to live, but in the lives of God's people, particularly before they become Christians, The law of God was given to magnify our sinfulness so that we would understand our hopelessness and be driven to Christ as our only way of salvation. God gave us his law in this covenant, not only to show us how we are to live after we submit our lives to Jesus, but he also has given us his law to drive us to Christ before we become Christians. To show us how good for nothing we truly are. And how deserving we are of God's condemnation. And that our only hope is to quit trying to earn salvation. And cast ourselves on the mercy of God revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at our text. The third chapter of Galatians, verse 15 through 20. It's divided into two sections. 
verses 15 through 22 is a contrast between law and promise. In verses 23 through 29, the contrast is between slavery and freedom. In verses 15 through 22, there are two sections to that. In verses 15 to 18, the point is that the law of God does not annul the promise of God. And in verses 19 through 22, the law of God highlights the promise of God and makes Christ indispensable. Now, let's look at these verses. Remember now, everything I have said so far, I have said just so we can understand these words. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations. Or he is saying, I'm going to give you an everyday illustration. It says, even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it is ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now, he's probably here talking about a will. And he says, once it is made, once it is ratified, you can't change it. No matter what happens after that, changes are not legal. That is, in the culture of that time. It is inevitable and unalterable. And if that is the way human covenants are, how much more is it going to be true of any covenant God makes with us? God makes a covenant with us and he says, your standing depends upon Christ through faith in him and not on anything you do. When God makes a plan and a statement like that, then no matter what he says after that, no matter how it appears, nothing is going to change it. So whether you understand all this stuff about Moses and the sacrificial system and the case laws, etc., at least understand that the purpose was not to change the original plan. You believe in Jesus and God says, I'll give you life. I'll give you the faith even to believe in Jesus. So not even your faith is meritorial. You don't have to do anything to earn it or deserve it. So beloved, quit trying. We just rest on Christ alone. And we will be his friends no matter what we have done prior to that. Nothing in history can ever change it. Verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed that is Christ. In other words, he's saying, here is proof. In this original arrangement God has made with you, that man had, to do, had nothing to do whatsoever to earn salvation. That is, God's promise of salvation was free and unconditional in that there was absolutely nothing that man had to do to merit it. <coughs> no strings attached. No works to do. No laws to obey. No merit to establish. No conditions to fulfill. God simply said to Abraham, I will be your God and I will give you a seed through whom the nations will be blessed. He didn't say, I'll be your God if you deserve it. 
I'll give you a seed through whom all the nations will be blessed if you earn it. They were simply unequivocal statements, promises from God without the least involvement of human merit. I will be your God. I will give you a seed through whom all the nations of the world will be blessed. No word of merit, no word of worth, no word of just deserts. It was a sheer, gracious, free, sovereign promise. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.